Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Brutal Gash, and I am ready for the All-Star break on an emotional level. The, the grind of the season is uh, is really getting to me. With us to talk all about it from across the Tasman in New Zealand there, it is Joe, aka No Scrotes McFly. Joe, feeling good, mate? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling fine. I'm feeling fine, Dan. I feel like, you know, if there's any, any if there's been a time where we need to get back on the couch... Over the last two months, this would be it. Um, uh-huh. There's a lot of there's a lot of coping issues out there in uh, <laughs> out there in Celtics Reddit right now. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, consider yourself on the couch if you're out there listening. You're all on the couch. This is a uh, a therapy session. Very quickly before we get into it, if you do want to reach out, the best way is to comment on the Reddit thread for this episode, or you can follow us on Twitter at Celtic Reddit Pod. That's it. A couple of a couple of strong, much needed. Back-to-back wins for the Celtics. Great note to end, uh, I guess, this portion of the season on heading into the break. Joe, thoughts, reactions, feelings? Let's hear it. What do you got? Well, first thought is, um, darn it, we should be, what, 38 and 19 right now, you know? (laughs) Like, you know how they talk about, um, you know how they talk about, uh, like, Phil Jackson's, Phil Jackson's, um, you know, rule about how if you've got forty wins before you got twenty losses, like you're, that's like his definition yeah. of a contender. We came and, close. Sorry, we came close. We almost we, got we there. We came close. We bloody well should have. So a little like, but whereas there's, I feel like the sense is one of general despair. I, I felt more just like annoyance, like like a high form of annoyance at, at what happened, you know? Mm-hmm. So so from coming from that context into the Philadelphia game, like I I I did expect us to win against Philly. Um I thought there was a whole lot of overreaction to the to the Harris trade. I think in general, I think there's probably been a bit of overreaction to um to what's happened with the other top teams in the East. Um so I was feeling good about it. Um, going in, and um, so I wasn't surprised that we won. So it's probably like it was a good win. I enjoyed it, but yeah, um, that's how I'm feeling about what's going on the floor. But what, what's your been? What's your journey been, mate? <laughs> uh, I 
I kind of felt the opposite way, right? Going into the Philly game where we dropped a couple of games to inferior teams, Le- LeBron's Lakers and, and whoever's Clippers they are. I guess they're Doc Rivers' Clippers. Um, I, <laughs> Steve Warner's Clippers. Jerry West's Clippers. Sure. Yeah, that's probably more accurate. I Yeah, and like based on that, going into the Philly game, I wasn't feeling that great. I think a lot of Celtics fans probably feel the same way. It, you know, It's a pretty reactionary... Um, fan base not just Celtics fans but the NBA like how with how quickly headlines and tweets and and just the news comes in after every little thing that happens it's it's pretty easy to get like sort of down in the dumps and you know with all of that heading into the Philly game wasn't feeling particularly confident and you know they had just bolstered that lineup I I didn't think that the Harris edition was overrated um I've had him on my fantasy this is obviously not a a particularly analytical take, but I've had him on my fantasy team all year and he's been extremely productive. And so one would deduce that adding a very productive scorer and, you know, an all-round um, quality player to one's lineup in Philly would, would be a, a, a all-round plus for them. Um, and so I wasn't feeling good going into that game because they'd, they'd added to their team. And yet, um, and you said this to, to me and Jackson, Joe, but we, or Brad Stevens rather, just like seems to have their number. And despite the additions... No, it's um, us, Ben. We, we, you, me, Jackson, we have Philly's number. All of us, fans We are living rent-free in Embiid's head. It's pretty great, right? Like, let's just, you know, let's get straight to that point. Like, I I did dip my toes, if you will, into the Sixers subreddit after the game, and uh, the anguish sustains me. I just, uh, I love the tears, the, the salty tears. (laughs) <laughs> of uh, of the Philly fans, it was good, but yeah, I, I didn't expect them to win, and like I, w- I was very proud of of these guys, you know, considering the season so far, for them to to play the way that they did and come out with a, a hard fought victory. They played almost a perfect game, and uh, and came out with a win. I, I wasn't expecting it to, to counter your point. I yeah, I didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah, it's funny how like the order of events seems to matter so much in basketball. Like, mm-hmm. um. You know, like I'm, I'm. What I'm thinking about here is, you know, you mentioned this is a hard-fought win. By which we mean we just happen to score all our points at roughly the same intervals that the Sixers scored <laughs> scored their points. Right? Well, it hasn't always been the way, I suppose. Well, clearly not. You know, like obviously against the Lakers, um, the, the Sixers' loss was uh, sorry. The the um the Clippers' loss was was a little on the bad side. But like just thinking about the Lakers' loss, like. You know, it just happened that we lost on... It was pretty fluky. Like, it was extremely fluky, as I think the Lakers are subsequently proven by getting the blow, the blows blown off them. The doors blown off them. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. It's been a, it's been a long um, season. It's been a real long season. Um, but, yeah, like, the Lakers aren't that good. They got lucky that game, you know? And it just so happened yeah. that that could have been a really hard-fought win. It's just that we happened to get 20 of our points a little earlier than they got theirs, you know? So it is, yeah, it's, it is funny how that affects how you feel. And I think big picture, um, we lost to the Lakers by one. We shouldn't have lost. But that was that, that was a very unfortunate game. The, the Clippers did come back and actually beat us, you know? Um, but it wasn't a big loss, you know, like it was like really stink to go from down 28, but like points margin actually matters, you know, like over the course of a game, it, it actually really matters. And if you only lose by, if, if it's a close game at the end, it doesn't mean you're a bad team that's like completely in the tank. It means you had a 
are a good team that had a bad game. Yeah, yeah I, I guess. I mean, you talk about margins. 28 points is a substantial margin. You're up 28 points against, you know, a team that have, have traded away their, their best... Um, not their best assets, but you know their best players as it currently stands. Obviously, they're looking ahead to the future, so you know that they're not looking to win necessarily, and yet they somehow claw back from twenty-eight down in our house in TD Garden. I like that's you know like I I understand that not losing by a significant margin, you know, but but allowing a team like that to come back from twenty-eight down, like that's a pretty deflating loss to to sustain. So I can understand why a lot of people out there were feeling pretty shitty. After yeah. that game, yeah. Look, I mean, I, I probably don't want to use the Clippers game as the as the ur example of this, but um, like that's hope, man. Like it's yeah. just a game that throws out a lot of you know probabilistic events, mm-hmm. and um, you know you're gonna miss a lot of shots. I think you can look at the the you know the um the qualitative factors behind mm-hmm. like why was it happening, and I think there are some were some reasons to be really disappointed in the Clippers game. But, you know, the same team that blew the 28-point lead also built it, you know? And um, you've got to also keep that um, somewhere in your mind as well. Like, at the end of the day, we lost to the Clippers by, what was it, seven? Uh, I can't even actually remember. Yeah, marginal. Yeah, it was a marginal. It was a seven-point loss. That's what it was at the end of the day. It actually wasn't that much worse than a seven-point loss. I know it's more disappointing because we absolutely felt we had that thing in the bag. But all it was, you know, we just happened to make our shots at a different time than when the Clippers <laughs> made theirs, you know. That, I, I shouldn't say that's all it was. That's not all it was. But in a large part, that is, right? Um, you know, that... that yeah, I, I don't want to over overstate that, but I think that's actually quite true of the Lakers game. I I, I I sort of feel like, you know, they just... Lakers got really hot, man. And there's some... Yeah. We wound up by six, and I was really disappointed at that quick three they got out of the timeout. But we're not a bad team as a result of two disappointing losses. You know, we're just a disappointed fan base. And that's fine. Like, I was really disappointed too. But it doesn't mean that... It doesn't mean that we're on this, on this trajectory downwards, right? Like, if you're getting blown out by 20 consistently, yeah, that's... You know, that's more real. Like, a seven-point yeah. loss is actually still just a game that you lost. You know, the other team outscored you by a total of seven points over the 48 minutes. That's what it means. Do you know, does that make any sense, Ben, where I'm coming from? Or is Yeah, it, it makes or is sense. It I, I, um, like, I love the optimism. It's almost unexpected. Like, I, this is, I've almost had to train my way to not think like this. You know, like, oh, it's not a bad loss necessarily. Like, we'll be fine. But that's kind of what you're saying. Well, yeah, we played pretty awesome basketball to go up by 28, right? So you've got to. What I guess what I'm saying is you've got to take the whole. You've got to take every event into consideration, right? Or every relevant event into consideration when you're kind of assessing where the team's at. And you can't ignore just because we lost by seven and blew a big 28 point lead. You can't. You don't get to to forget about the fact we built the 28 point lead in the first place. You know, it's and, and, and the, the flip side is true as well. Like, just because the Celtics, you know, um, have been, what, like, basically 25 and 10 over their last 35 in games, that's not uh-huh. the exact record, but something like that, right? Close enough. I mean, I should be able to do the math really easy. We were 10 and 10, now we're 36 and 19, aren't we? So we've been, um, is that right? 
Yeah, we're 36 and 19, I believe. Maybe we're 37 and 19 after today. So but, we're doing uh... 26 and 9. <laughs> yeah, 26 and 9. Thereabouts. No, thir- we're 21, 11. Yeah, 26 and 11. Whatever. Okay, you know, like, we don't get to ignore the, the, the 10 and 10 part and just, you know, um, and just mm-hmm. completely f- factor in the, the post-Thanksgiving sure. stuff, right? Like, it actually all is part of what this team kind of is, you know? And, and and there's a there's you know it doesn't last forever, you know, but but you still have to factor that in, and and it's I guess that's what I'm trying to come to with a seven point loss. Like you can't just look at the the fact that we got the doors blown off us in the second half and ignore the fact we killed them in the first, you know, as an indicator of what sort of a team this is and what it's capable of. Yeah, I mean, I you talk about what the team's capable of and. I guess what we would like to see them become capable of is sustained intensity, right? Great. Oh, for sure. We can build could build these big leads, but like, you know, the game ends after 48 minutes and then whoever has the most points wins that game and, and wins matter. So, yeah, great. You can build these leads. You need to hold those leads or, uh, you know, at least be plus one on a team at the end of the game. Like, we need to win these games. So, 48 minutes and, and playing to that level for, for that amount of time or, or at least balancing it such that you you come out on top at the end. So yeah, I mean the stretches of of goodness, but uh, like that needs to needs to be sustained. And uh, after Mook's comments, which we haven't done a podcast since since those comments, but it's it's been a small sample size since then. But it seems like like the the, the effort is more sustained throughout the game since then. So you know, heading into the the sort of the stretch run towards the playoffs after the All Star break, like I don't know. <laughs> You know, we talked about it, it being quite reactionary, right? After, after you know, even one or two games. And these one or two games leading into the break, my reaction is that I feel quite positive about this team. You know, we, we beat um, a, a playoff contender in, in Philadelphia and we've got some tough road matchups coming up right after the break. And I'm feeling a lot more positive about them um, coming out of these two games. So, you know, you talked about the Clippers game and, you know, how it wasn't necessarily a, a bad loss um, so the Clippers game and the game against the Sixers and the game today against the, the Pistons. Well, one thing we got to talk about our two Max guys. So Gordon Hayward and Al Horford, like they played like Max guys, and they, like there's no arguing yeah. against that, right? Like they were sensational, and Gordon Hayward is playing with aggressiveness and decisiveness, and he is moving a lot better um, in all facets of his game. Um, and Al Horford is hitting his shots like from everywhere and, and playing like smart basketball and defending dominant big men. So I, I know um, Drummond like put up a pretty decent stat line tonight and, and so did Griffin. Uh, but certainly Embiid, like Horford was kind of dominating those guys and, and Hayward was doing his own thing as well. Was, that was really, really good to see, especially heading into this stretch run, like we said. De- definitely, man. Like... Um... Like I mean, I'm I know I'm on the record on this podcast as saying that my prediction is that Gordon Kaywood's contract, you know, will be a bad contract, um, and I really hope I'm wrong. And you know, there are two games worth of evidence out of sixty something. You know, there's a bit more than that. There's <laughs> ten games worth of evidence out of sixty something that he might not. He might actually turn out to be up to his deal. And if that's the case, great. I love his game. You know, I love the player that he certainly was prior to, to, to breaking his ankle. Um, so, yeah, so that's great. Look, I, I want to be wrong. Like, I genuinely, genuinely want to be wrong on this, you know. Um, yeah. And it, it, it and a lot of – I mean, we can get to a lot of this to the stuff later on, but 
but I think I think we should all feel very differently about the prospect of Kyrie leaving if Gordon Hayward is back to what he was. Um, I think we should feel very, very different about it. Um, but anyway, that's 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 probably for another another segment, Ben. But um, but yeah, Horford's been trending upwards for a for a for a good while now, and and um, man, he won us the series against Philly last year. Like he is just an absolute nightmare. You know, I think he's so underrated. I think he is an elite NBA player um, when he's not looking old, and he must be <laughs> feeling better because um, he does stuff that really helps winning, man. You know, he just makes he just makes problems all over the floor. He passes beautifully. There's no holes. Just no holes, man. That's such an advantage. Yeah, I I thought I had um saved some stats on like Embiid's um so his season averages from ten feet or less uh shooting so far this season versus when he's defended by Horford. And I don't know, Australian internet. Uh, you know, I've gone to click on this link and it, it's not necessarily loading, but suffice to say, there's a substantial difference in Embiid's percentages um, against Horford and against literally everybody else in the league when it comes to shooting within 10 feet. And like combine that with, on the other end of the court, Horford's ability to pull out these big men out of the paint. We saw it today with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. We saw it against Boban and Embiid in the game yesterday against the Sixers. Um when we're on offense and we should be worried about these lumbering, you know, tall big men clogging the lane, Horford's just pulling these guys right out to the perimeter um, and, and sort of nullifying them on defense and um, and on the other end of the court as well. Like he's just, I don't know. It's it's games like this where you kind of like, oh yeah, like I understand why he's being paid so much money, right? Because he, he really, really proves his value like on, on both ends of the court time and time again. So He's a, he's a fabulous player. He really is. He's, you know, um, I just, I think he's so underrated. Like, I'm not sure that Anthony Davis gives you that much more of an advantage. Like he does. Anthony Davis is a better player, but... Anthony Davis doesn't have any less holes in his game than Horford does, mm. right? Or, or maybe put it another way. Horford doesn't have any more holes in his game than than, than Anthony Davis does, right? So, and Horford's yeah. a better shooter. It's true, um, especially from beyond the arc. But, I mean, how would you feel about, you know, hypothetical situation, you know, we trade some pieces for, for Anthony Davis. We get Anthony Davis and, and Horford... Um, comes off the bench as our, you know, uh, our big man, sort of in the Baines role, and it prolongs his career because he can suddenly play more limited minutes and come off the bench. And he's he's mentoring a guy like Anthony Davis and teaching him the system, um, and, and teaching him the, the ways of the the Brad Stevens offense. Do you, like obviously AD has um, some drawbacks there when you're comparing him to Horford's game, but if you can combine the two and add the tutelage of of uh, of Al Horford. Um, and the age, or the I guess the, the lack thereof, the the youth of Anthony Davis, like that that seems like a a pretty good situation moving forward, right? If we can achieve that. Yeah, I mean, look, Anthony Davis is a really good player. You know, he's a, he's a great player, and and he's gonna make. You know, our team will be very good if we have him. Um, how do I feel about Horford coming off the bench? Like, I I still look. One thing I keep circling back to Ben is I'm like, what do as a fan. Right, I want to cheer for a team with an identity. I think that's what this is. This is coming clearer to me. Like, 
I really want a team with an identity. And I also have particular identities that I really like. You know, there's things we value in basketball, right? So, you know, you might be an iconoclast and just, you know, really like James Harden's rugged individualism and then the Rockets might be palatable for you. Personally, no, you. I hate it. But Al Horford, <laughs> aside from the fact he, he, aside from the defensive remounting, he just does, the way he plays the game is just how I think it should be played. And, like, let's be honest. Do we actually know Anthony Davis's game that well to know that, like, we know Horford's game right now. We know what he does. We know what he brings. Does Anthony Davis play the way that I like the game to be played? Do I actually know his game that well? Honestly, I actually don't. Like, I don't watch him like I watch Al Horford. I watch Al Horford basically every game. You know, and yeah. I know I love I know I love what the team is with Al Horford. So to to come back to your question, how do I feel about him coming off the bench? I mean, fine. It, it doesn't really worry me. I just know that I want our team to be kind of cast in the image of guys like Marcus Smart and Al Horford. And Horford. Yeah. You know? That's kinda of what I liked a lot about like Paul Pierce and an older KG as well. Like similar to what you're saying there. Like that's how I believe the game should be played. It's not necessarily about athleticism. And, and brute force and strength, it's more about like finesse and um, like a, a mental approach to the game. But oh, oh, hey, Anthony... but I'm just going to push back quickly. Don't confuse Al Horford for a total finesse player. He's bruising offensively. Like, he is reliable. He's a reliable scorer on that low block. Oh, but yeah. Anyway. I, I, comp- I, I agree, but he does have like a. Like some people, not me, but some people call him soft, which I think is. Can, uh, people confuse that for maybe more of a finesse game. Like he, he's not, you know, he's not an above the rim player necessarily. He does catch the odd um, well-thrown oop by Marcus Smart occasionally, but he's this not, the, yeah, you know. This is not the team for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I do think that Anthony Davis possesses the the raw attributes to be like, and the capacity to be taught the game in the, in the same vein. But, you know, we'll see. I, I, I want to get to a couple of other points very quickly uh, on the on the two games we've seen the last couple of days. Jason Tatum has looked quite good. Um, you know, we were talking about potentially Anthony Davis, and so I, I don't know. You know, would we have to give up Jason Tatum in a, in a hypothetical trade for Anthony Davis? But for the moment, we have Tatum, and he's getting to the line a whole lot more. He's, he's putting his head down. He, he's getting to the cup, and he's he's basically playing with less of that Mamba mentality and more of that like more of that team mentality, right? And it's it's sort of. It's a it's a huge component of the team pivoting after Book Morris's comments, and he seems to be playing way more within the flow of the offense. And like he still has his ISO buckets, but they seem to come like more with more fluidity. Like he takes them when when they come his way, rather than forcing them. I guess you can kind of say the same about Jalen Brown as well. But he's looking good. Yeah, I think. Um, I think. I think I'd have to pull up some stats, and we don't have you know synergy sports or whatever in front of us to tell us this. But um, I'll have to get a Patreon for that. I think he's yeah, more sorry, comfortable when Kyrie. I th- yeah, <laughs> I think he's more comfortable when Kyrie's not on the floor. Just his game. Mm. It's, it's, you know, you t- it's so much about the role you have, right? And um, there is something about Tatum that wants to be the dude, and is, is a little more comfortable. Um, you know, with 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 Kyrie not on the floor. It just sort of gives him a bit more of a rhythm, maybe. Um, but that said, like, I, you know, I, I'm going to pick on something about Tatum. I I watch Hayward a lot when when he doesn't have the ball. 
and, and I've seen on at least three occasions over the last week, which <laughs> you know, probably isn't actually a lot, but Hayward's had duck-ins and gotten good position, like deep, deep position, like under the bucket position. And, um, and Tatum hasn't gotten on the ball. And um, look, I just think that's something that's just a trait of Tatum's that he just kind of, he's just not, He's not like uh, he's he's not a playmate. He's not a passer. He isn't. I'm sure he can throw passes and he's thrown some good lobs and that sort of thing. But that's just that ain't his game. And um, those just aren't necessarily my. He's never going to be my favorite player. You know. Yeah. I, I, I can't. I, that's what I'm kind of realizing. And I, it, that, that's yeah. okay. I, I've seen what you're saying. I know exactly what you're talking about. I he's 20 years old. That that can be taught, right? Like he is a professional basketball player that you can show that that guy film. You can show Tatum film for all those times where where Hayward has made a great cut and found himself open or against a, a quality mismatch in the paint and is open for a pass. That that can be taught. That's I don't know. Like I obviously I've never played at anything, <laughs> any kind of <laughs> like um, impressive level of, of basketball, but surely that can be shown, that can be demonstrated, and that can be taught to a guy like Tatum, who is only 20. Like, 20 is so young. Do you remember being 20? No, no. right? Because it's so <laughs> long ago. It's yeah. so young. So, like, this, he can grow, and he can become better. So, yes, people can be taught things, but people also have these instincts and these traits that sure. tend to stay with them. Habits. You know, you know, Kobe. Kobe was always Kobe, man. You know, um, and Jason Kidd was always Jason Kidd. You know, like um, it's to get deeply philosophical. You know, it's sort of like what's the? Have you heard of the theory of the forms? No. Okay, well Tell let's just audience. do a little Tell quick me. sidebar. Like I don't want to pretend like I'm an expert on this, so I'll just give you the, like the Cliff Notes version that I remember. So the theory of the forms is like if you were to take a horse, right? Okay, and you, you so right now you've got a picture of say a horse in your mind. Okay. Well, let's go through the things that make a horse a horse or that distinguish might distinguish a horse from some things and, and from others. Okay, it's got mm-hmm. four legs, right? Okay. But lots of animals have four legs and aren't horses, right? And it's, you know, it's a certain height, right? Like horses tend to be a certain height. You're probably thinking them about as tall as you are, you know, at least, right? Mm-hmm. But there's giraffes. Giraffes are taller than what we are and they're not horses. And then there's like, you know, it's got hair, but its hair is kind of like, I mean, there's other animals with similar hair. Like, what makes a what makes a donkey different from a horse, you know? So, it's like, it gets really hard under the theory of the forms to pin down exactly what it is, right, that makes a horse a horse. But there is this, there is an essential horseness, right? Like, there is, <laughs> at some point... At some like at some point there is a distinction between a horse and a donkey and a dog, right? So that yeah, means that absolutely. there is some there's the set of things that we struggle to describe that actually make a horse a horse. So it is with players. There are <laughs> things that make Jaden Jason Tatum Jason Tatum. There are some attributes to his game that make him what he is, and not all of those things are positive. Most of them are, but every player comes with these things, and he will just be Jason Tatum. He may. Like a horse can vary in height and hair color and all sorts of things and still be a horse. Jason Tatum can vary his game and be taught certain things, but he will always have these instincts in this sort of way of playing, you know? Do you, um, 
Yeah, so, no, I, anyway. I, I, I completely, I, I get what you're saying. Do you know what the term for a, a baby horse is? Is it a calf or is it? Foal. A foal. So say you, you take a foal, it's born, you take it away from its natural parents and you, you insert it into a, a den of wolves. It's raised by wolves. It, it may be a horse, but it grows up with wolf-like tendencies. What I'm saying here is that Jason Tatum, he's only 20 years old. He's malleable. Like he can grow up with the wolves, the, the Al Horfords, the, the the Gordon Haywards. He he can be he can be reformed into a non-horse, a horse uh, of physical tendencies and attributes, but with uh with behavioral tendencies of a wolf. He's he's still young, is what I'm saying. Like we can we can change who he is at, at his core and, and and make him a better player. <laughs> so what you're saying is that. Jason Tatum identifies as a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Ideally, yeah, maybe not yet. <laughs> He's confused. I love how we just stumbled into a massive nature nurture argument there. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's uh, it's applicable. Look, th- th- both both impact, right? And I guess for me, I look at it and I say, you know, what, a player's nature probably determines the lion's share of what they are. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess maybe I can't say that absolutely because, like, every role player in the NBA was a star, and certainly in high school, right? And yeah, and at some point, generally in college, you know, and and they've had to adapt their games to be role players. But um, yeah, that's a trait. It's what I'm saying it's just a trait, and he can be raised amongst wolves and he can learn to do wolf things. But there's always going to be this in a horse instinct to him, you know, that he's going to have to fight against. Put it that way. Maybe we can agree on that. Jason Tatum's instinct, he may learn to, to, you know, to override that, but it will be learned and his instincts will still be what they are, which is mm-hmm. hold the ball and shoot, you know, like dribble, dribble, shoot. That's his instinct. That's how he conceives of the game. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Uh, and we'll get to a little bit more on that later. I want to get to a couple of uh, post-game thread notes from both the Detroit game and the Philly game. So user device wrote, fourth quarter was Blair referring to the Detroit game, but overall a decent game. Still more shots for Hayward, please. No reason why he should have fewer shots than five other players. By the playoffs, we need Hayward to score 18 plus consistently. So the more shots he gets, the better. Bring on Milwaukee. I kind of want Tatum to just have a flipping six for 19 game. You know, <laughs> you know, like I want Hayward. Did I say Tatum or Hayward then? Flip you on. said Tatum. But, I don't want Tatum to have a six for nineteen game. <laughs> I want Hayward to have a six for nineteen game. Yeah, okay. You know, I That's just more on brand. I just want him to just. I just want him to take it up the bloody guts. Yeah, you know, he, and I he's just, been doing that. He yeah, has he been has, doing that. He's been picking it up, but like I just, you know, what I, mean? I just want to see mongrel from Hayward. I want yeah. bloody mongrel from him. You, you know, you want to see pink Gordy, as we've said before. <laughs> pink Gordy. He does turn pink after a certain uh, <laughs> amount of exertion. It does happen. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. Daddy's uh, always happy. <laughs> uh, so a comment from maybe the that's post- why his babies are all girls. <laughs> Uh, a comment from the so there's a a next day thread from the philly game that came out today user the headiest topper wrote interesting first time i can think of where we've won without any other guards picking up slack picking up his slack in any real way and by his he's referring to Kyrie irving this is a game where Kyrie was absent and it didn't take a huge game from marcus smart or um or rogier or even wanamaker to to get us the win, it was other components of our team that um 
that that saw that happen. And it uh, brings me to a little back and forth. I don't want to say an argument, but a back and forth I had in the game thread today with a user called Tech Support Larry, um, who was very, very much claiming that this team is, is better without Kyrie Irving. Um, and so I thought this was an interesting segue into into that discussion. Um, I I want to go on the record as saying that I do not believe that this team is, is better without Kyrie Irving. I do think that it allows other players to flourish in a way that they cannot when Kyrie is on the court. But ultimately, as a team, particularly heading into the into the postseason, like Brad Stevens said it today, like this team is the best version of itself when, when Kyrie Irving is on that team. I'm, that's just how I feel. But Joe, I'm I'm curious to hear your take on on this matter because it's it's a popular um, you know topic at the moment. So I I don't think there's enough evidence for that, but I'm open to that. I'm open to that being a possibility. And maybe, you know, like a lot of the stuff I talk about, it's kind of, you kind of, I kind of want it to be true, right? I kind of want it to be true that we're better than, <laughs> sure. without Kyrie. Um, but, <clears throat> okay, I think back to the Clippers game, and I think there's absolutely no way we lose that because Kyrie, he just would have steadied the ship. And realistically, I don't think that lead would have ever got below 10. If, if Kyrie was playing in that game, mm-hmm. you know, like there's things like that. There's also, uh, we kind of discussed in the, I think we talked about this in the off season. I think like if we're going to be going toe to toe with golden state, it feels like we need Kyrie's, um, offensive explosiveness. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say, no, I don't think that's the case, but we also don't know what the universe looks like where Gordon Hayward is his full self right? And we don't have Kyrie Irving. Like, we don't have, you know, we can't, we, we haven't had a proper A-B test of that, right? Like, Celtics with full-strength Kyrie Irving minus Gordon Hayward yep. versus Celtics with uh, versus the opposite. I forget which one I just said. You get the point. You know? Yeah, so, and you saying that raises an interesting point because I, I feel like that wouldn't have come up in conversation naturally sort of prior to the last few games, but you know, you talk about you know, does this team look better with Kyrie with Gordon Hayward returning to, you know, prior Gordon Hayward form? Are you are you now saying, based on what we've seen recently, that that that's more likely? Like it, it seems like from this small sample size of Hayward, he's, he's clearly improving. Now we can be genuinely hopeful that he will return to that form, and, and therefore we need to factor that into how we perceive the future of the team. Yeah, I mean, look, there's something about Hayward's game um, that I just really like. Hayward. Hayward, you know, you talk about those, you know, I just like Hayward's game, you know, in a way that I, I, you know, I don't like Jason Tatum's game. Although, like, I love it when he does good stuff for us. Don't get me wrong. You know, we just have our favorites, right? You know, yeah. and um, and if I was, I know, okay, who would I rather play with? Like, say it was like, Joe, you, you've, you're going to have to suit up for the Celtics that are being absolutely decimated with injuries. Um, and all the players we have left are X, Y, you know, these these four guys. I want Gordon Hayward. I think it would be great fun to play with Gordon Hayward. I think yeah, he's a like, genuine, I think he's a genuine team player. <laughs> he might actually pass you the ball, Joe, given your, even with your lack of experience. If you're open, like he, open. he'll still pass you the ball. And he'll regret it, <laughs> but he'll still pass it. Um you know, there's other things that are underrated. Like, I, I think guys with no holes in their game are really underrated, and this is this is this is a theme with Al. And 
Hayward really prior to the injury was another guy with no holes in his game. Kyrie's got some holes. Curry does have holes in his game, you know. Um, as as honestly anybody under say six foot five in the NBA does, um, you know, Curry can be attacked. He's been playing great. I'm not. I'm really not trying to knock what he's done this year. I've really actually enjoyed his play. Hmm. But um, is it possible that that's a team that's better than Curry? Yeah. Let me just paint a picture. So you've got Marcus Smart starting point guard, right? Then you might have that lineup, right, of... Well, basically, you have the Erotic City guys, but with Smart instead of Kyrie, mm-hmm. okay? Like, man, that is that is super... That is one through five switchable. Yeah, it's complete. Yeah, you know? Um, I'd probably almost prefer, like, pro- I'd probably put Morris in there instead of Brown. I think that's mm-hmm. a really super complete lineup, you know? Um, yeah. Is that I, team better than a team with Kyrie? It's not going to score as much, I don't think. But, man, it's going to be close. And is it better defensively? I mean, there's just no weaknesses, man. There's defensively. None. There's no. none, you know? Yeah, it does It does lack, you know, maybe one of the best offensive players of all time and certainly one of the best offensive players in the, the league currently. played on both ends, though, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. But there's a lot of... You know, there's a lot of chucking from beyond the three-point arc that just, like, goes the fuck in nowadays, right? Like, we see that from rookie players all the way to veteran players. Like, that's a little bit how the game is is played more and more nowadays. And, and you need a guy that, you know, in the dying moments of a close game can pull up somewhere between the half-court and the three-point line and just, like, drill the fuck you three. And, and Kyrie is the only person on our roster that, that can do that. And... Other teams who will be competing against for a, you know the foreseeable future have those guys as well, right? So I, I don't know. Kyrie is the antidote to to the opposition's version of that. I feel it sort of depends how you think you have to win games, though, right? Um, like if you have to win games, and games do eventually get close, but you don't have to like win it like that. Like I I, I think if you can imagine a lineup, like let's just say it's uh, Tatum, Tatum. Morris, Hayward, Orford, Smart. Mm-hmm. There's enough scoring out there. There actually is, you know. Um, that team switches run through. Like, I just think it's a possibility. I don't actually think it's the case. I think what Kyrie brings to the table, like, massively outweighs what he doesn't bring to the table, right? Like, what he detracts from. Like, uh, I think he's fit. He, he is really uh, – I've enjoyed watching him more, way more than I thought I would. As a basketball, I don't think he's a selfish player either. Um, I, I think I don't I don't think that's actually a fair criticism. But I think I think Hayward's a quicker decision maker, and I think um, as a result, other players find themselves in better situations more often when they're on the floor. Yeah, with I've appreciated his game so much since he's he's played it more confidently in recent weeks. Like he's he has these like cross court passes where he'll yeah. drive and. His his dishes out to the perimeter. There's a moment where the pass is in midair, and I'm like, you can't make that pass. Like that is reckless. And, then, and it's then, like then it teleports just, it, there. Yeah, and it finds the man like perfectly. And they're either in a position to to pull up for a shot, or like they they find themselves in an advantageous position to to drive um, and screw up the defense because it forces rotations that are you know advantageous for our offense. Um, and I, I haven't seen that from a player on the Celtics for, for a while. So, heady playmaking uh, dude, that is Gordon Hayward, with perfect hair. Of yeah, course. The, hair the, Gordon. 
the ball has energy, right? You hear Jalen Rose say that, like the ball has energy. Uh-huh. And you yeah, know sure. that's true. You just need to touch it and and your effort's going to be more consistent. And the Celtics are at their best when they are aggressive of, of defensively. Like that's mm-hmm. when they're actually at their best. Is That's when they go on their runs. It's when they're super aggressive defensively. And um, I, I is, is Kyrie, like Kyrie doesn't necessarily detract from that, but I, I don't sort of see him as being part of like what makes this. <sighs> yeah, I may regret saying this. I mean, we, we may all have to walk back our words at some point, but I it's, don't. It's a moment like in Ky- time kind of thing. Yeah, he he um, who the Celtics are, who the Celtics really really are underneath it all. I don't know that it necessarily like Kyrie necessarily complements that personality. You know. The team has a personality, and I don't know that Kyrie compliments the personality. Um, in terms of beer winning, though, maybe it doesn't matter. I, I actually don't know. Yeah, a lot of variables there. We can we can go deeper, but we won't. You know, like you talk about his personality, and he he has shown flashes in stuff that he's said about like wanting to adjust his game to to fit the identity of this team. But then, like, not only have we not always seen that, but then. He has kind of been inconsistent with his outward statements, like to the press and you know, and to fans and, and media and whatnot. So, I, yeah. yeah, I don't know. He, to me, okay, to be honest though, like, oh, and I am actually going to to stick with this. I'm not going to hedge on this. He has been a negative for the team spiritually. He oh, has. I completely agree. Yeah. He has, and that flipping matters, man. Like, it yes. really, really matters. You know, so, um, you know. Actually, I want to bring up something I heard on the um, on the back to back podcast. I don't know if you listen to that. It's sort of like a lot of the old guys on the Hoop Collective, but yeah, right. um, no. They they brought up this point. I was listening to it this morning. The podcast was maybe a couple of days ago, and um, and they were like, "Kyrie's leaving," and I was like, "What?" And this is like the first like argument that I'd heard that actually made sense to me. And they're like, "Look, Anthony Davis, right, has just come loose." So if you're Kyrie Irving and you want to play with Anthony Davis in Boston, what do you do? You go, you do a full-on recruiting pitch, right? Like you're like, hey man, Boston's awesome, right? Yeah, right. Come yep. here, it's sick. I'm I'm locking in, uh, you know. Like, come on, come join. And they're like, he didn't do that. The fact that he didn't do that spoke louder than anything that he that he said, you know. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I still don't actually. I still don't actually side with him. I still think he's totally going to resign. But um, yeah, I thought that was an interesting comment. I thought it was a really, that really made me think about it. That is interesting. And I think we're going to get to that in a moment, folks. We're going to take a very quick break and be back in a moment for the Reddit recap. folks welcome back this is the reddit recap and we're going to start with a post by user mckelwain posts a an article on nbc sports by dan feldman the headline is celtics reportedly believe rich paul planted story on Kyrie irving leaving quote it was cheap and underrated now as, as someone who um has been feeling much anxiety as a result of all of this Kyrie in the headline stuff like uh, uh, the celtics 
there's a lot of integrity behind the Celtics, and we don't, uh, as an organization, I feel like we we don't normally find ourselves in the headlines that much. Mm. And so this Kyrie stuff has really bothered me, and I don't know this 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 made me feel a lot better. But you know, Kyrie Irving's a weird dude, um, and regardless of any sort of counter headline that that goes out in, in this form, really we I don't know I just feel like we have no fucking idea what's going through his head. So what's your take on this, Joe, based on what we've discussed already? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I, as much as I think that the, the, the guys on the, on the back-to-back podcast had a really good point, like that is totally like a, a valid reading um, of, the, of the facts. Um, I think um, another reading of it is that Kyrie really doesn't like to have, um, to have his, have his, you know, his, his future sort of seemingly be attached to others, right? I think that's a point that Jackie McMullen's made. You know, yeah. he just really gets pissed off when he feels like his future's tied to somebody else, which is part of the reason why he forced the trade out of Cleveland in the first place, right? Like, he was like, damn, I don't want to be around for, like, this, you know, this mess when LeBron leaves. You know, sure. he's like, like, nah, I'm getting out ahead of it. Um, This is kind of in that vein, right? Um, This is... Kyrie doesn't like himself, his future being tied to decisions that are like, and this really is beyond Kyrie's control. This is like Anthony Davis, LeBron, Kevin Durant knock-on stuff, right? Like, it's it's really a long way away <laughs> from yeah. from any decision that he's made. Um, do I believe it was planted by Rich Paul? Um, hundred percent, I do. Hundred percent. Like, of course, yeah. Like, it's of course they did. But but has it messed with Kyrie to the point, or potential free agents that could sign with the Celtics to the point where it's the damage is done? Um, no, no. I, I think we're just a, such a solid organization. Look, you've got to think of it in terms of alternatives, right? Like, okay, let's just say he's mad. What is his actual alternative? <laughs> he could sign. Okay, I'll say the obvious one. He could sign. With the New York Knicks, along with with Kevin Durant and potentially one other free agent. Well, in the words of the immortal twelfth man, <laughs> piss off! You're out of here. Go. <laughs> yeah. If you want to go play for James Dolan and 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 you know, and if you want to go be part of that organization, all right. Um. Good luck, man. It's gonna yeah. suck, right? You know, like it, it. They screw it up, man. Like the. The, the little decisions, right, indicate how they're going to handle things when they've got you around. And you've got a limited window of time, and you actually need the organization to nail those small decisions around you. Because two players isn't enough, right? And you've got to go to an organization that shows that they're capable of executing um, correctly there, right? That, I mean, to me, man, if he went to Brooklyn, I'd be, well, Brooklyn's actually doesn't make sense for Kyrie because they've already got guards. But, like, say yeah. Durant goes to Brooklyn, like, that actually, I was like, oh, yeah. You know, like that makes more sense to me from a basketball perspective. Yeah, I think I think it kind of depends on what Kyrie wants. Like, if he wants what he has said that he wants to lead a team, um, you know, of of talented individuals uh, and and win a championship, then Boston kind of makes the most sense, right? Like, they've got the pieces. It appears as though Haywood is is um, on the right trajectory. Like, it it makes sense to stay there. I can't think of another situation. Uh, where he could go to a team that doesn't already have a contracted, you know, semi-dominant point guard where he could find the same amount of success. So 
Kyrie Irving, it, it makes sense to, okay, maybe you need to make some adjustments to your game. Maybe that's partly what this season has been about for Kyrie Irving and for the rest of the team. But just do that. Like, just work on that. That's probably your best um, and most reliable path to a title or at least for contending to a title. Yeah, and, and I've, I, I guess I've, I've probably, my, my thinking on Kyrie's thinking evolves. I don't think he knows exactly what he wants. Right. Yeah. But surely I've been 26 a, before. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> Barely. Um, no. <laughs> when I was 26, man, you know what I was doing, Ben? I was doing. I was in the middle of a graphic design diploma. The quarter life crisis was like <laughs> absolute full swing. It was a great year, but yeah, we damn, do need man. a new logo. So. <laughs> what do you mean we need a new logo? Time no, sh- Shout out to Collie Motion. I, I didn't mean that. The logo is great. He didn't mean so it. He didn't mean. Don't know what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we digress. Um, uh, go on. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't think he knows what he wants, but I do think he's sentient enough to, to see that, like, what's in New York and LA is not good. Like, it really isn't. Like, those organizations are not something you want to be tying your prime to. I'm, I'm telling you, man. Like, you know, yeah. Do you, do you think that he's such a fan of conspiracy theories that he genuinely enjoys being the subject of, like, of conspiracy theories. Like he's basically put himself in this position, right, where there are now countless theories about what's going through his mind and, and you know, what his future holds. And he's kind of created that by being extremely vague in any time that he's spoken to the press or anybody who's asked him the question about his future. Like, do you think that he just generally, like, values, like, being an enigma and, and, and sort of confusing the general public and the fan base? Uh, yeah, there's probably a bit of that. Like, I think he he, he wants to be misunderstood to a certain extent. <laughs> you know, yeah. like like it, I don't know. We're, we're totally. This is total conjecture at this point. But it's almost like it's almost like he feels. It's almost like he thinks that the smarter you are, the harder you are to understand. Um, you know, it sort of seems like sometimes that's his his approach. Thing. So, like, he might he might relish the conspiracy theory. He might, but look, when it comes down to it and he's a free agent and he's got a choice over handing over the control of his prime years to an organization, like he's still going to make the best decision for him. And honestly, it's not going to be that close. It really isn't, man. You know? Um, Yeah. yeah. I hope you're right. I I think Durant's a different story. Honestly, I think like Durant's going to have won three titles probably by the end of the year. You know, like it's just a slightly different like it's, I think the calculus calculus is a little different for him. But all right, one final Reddit recap shout out before we move on. So user Leet Speak, Celtics Reddit moderator, posted a tweet by Jay King quoting Marcus Smart, who says, "You've got to continue to keep shooting." The reason I want to bring this up is because I think the last time we had a podcast, we had John Corrales on the show, and we were talking about um, the virtues of, of Marcus Smart's three point. Uh, revolution and how well he's been shooting and then he went on a it was i don't know the, the exact numbers but it was something like an 0 and 20 <laughs> stretch right um he lost then, like two full percentage points off his, off his three point <laughs> yeah but then he has the <laughs> capacity to gain them back <laughs> yeah it's ridiculous um and so at the end of the um towards the end of the of the the pistons game today where we were sort of floundering a little bit and it looked like we were going to repeat the the clippers performance smart hit i think four threes in a row. Like I was messaging you and, and, and Jackson, shout out to Jackson, who's obviously not with us tonight, 
uh, oh, Marcus Smart hit three threes in a row. And then a moment then, later, I was like, four. scratch that, four threes in a row. <laughs> and then he promptly airballed his fifth <laughs> three-point attempt, which is just classic Marcus Smart. Um, I don't know. I just, it's got to be brought up because it's just it's part of the, the Marcus Smart experience. Totally, right? totally. It's, and it's and puzzle. I maintain in his case, it actually makes him a more effective player. That he's a willing shooter. Keep him guessing. Um, keep, well, you just instinctively close out on guys that are going to let it fly. You know, you if a guy's a, a, an assertive three-point shooter, you just naturally react to that decision, you know. And look, Marcus Smart's shooting 35% right. I can't remember what Kobe's career three-point percentage was. Smart's probably back up to 36 now. Kobe's career three-point percentage was probably 33%, you know. He probably had a couple of seasons where he shot 37 or 38. Like, smart shooting it as good as Kobe Bryant's ever shot it, and, and in high volumes. And that makes him a really – it just makes the offense more effective when he's willing to shoot the right shot. <laughs> yeah, that one where he tried to – against the Clippers, I think we he, tried, he shot, a th- shot a three in transition. That was a terrible shot. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's – Marcus, I love you unconditionally. But I didn't like you right then. <laughs> no, but like generally, he's extremely easy to love, along with with uh, Al Orford, and and it's more so becoming the case Gordon Hayward as well. So lots to love about this team. I wanna I wanna talk about seeding very quickly because after the All Star break, it's gonna be a brutal seven days, right, between now and and the next Celtics game. But it, it is this stretch run heading towards the playoffs, and we have to start considering seeding and, and and playoff matchups and and things like that. So we can have a look at the the East at the moment, and you know, very likely first place is going to be Milwaukee, followed by Toronto at two, and then at three and four, it's kind of a question mark. I've got the paces put down as five because I think ultimately, you know, without Oladipo, they they will drop down to that that fifth seed. So. Three and four seed, you've got either the Sixers or or the Celtics, right? And so, what's your preference there, Joe? As a, as a playoff matchup in the second round, would be facing either the you know if if Milwaukee and Toronto win their first rounds, we'd be facing either Milwaukee or Toronto in the second round, right? Do you have a preference as to who we would face? Who do you think we have a better chance against? Yeah, I mean, they're all going to be tough matchups, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Um, there's a chance. There's a very good chance we're going to lose in the second round, right? Um, yeah, unfortunately. Probably fifty percent chance, honestly. Um, that's okay. That's cool. It just means that we've got a great tournament that we get to watch. Um, instinctively, the team that scares me the least is uh, Milwaukee. Yeah, I feel that way too. Followed by Philly. Mm-hmm. And then Toronto definitely scares me the most. Yeah, is it because of Kawhi? Like, he just kind of freaks me out a bit. Kawhi's, yeah. And Nick Nurse? Um, yes. Uh, Nick Nurse is a very scary man. He's very intimidating. Um, <laughs> no, As I a just, coach. They, they've just kind of always, they've just kind of been our big brother for a really long time. Mm. And not, like, I, I definitely think that if we'd played them in the second round last year, we would have gotten smoked by them. Yeah, completely. Um, yeah, that, they, they just kind of always have us. Um, I think Kawhi's, I think, I I still think he's better than Giannis. Um, not that there's much in it, you know. Um, it's probably just a preference thing. Um, 
But, um, yeah, like Kawhi's really tough, really tough. And they're big, and um, I think they can hurt us, right? I think they can really, really hurt us. I think uh, Toronto just seems like they get every offensive rebound against us. That's just how I feel. <laughs> That's just my, my memory, <laughs> my emotion-soaked memory. Yeah, and the addition of uh, Marcus Sol as well, who's you know is kind of in the same vein as Al Horford, right? He, he plays the game, I guess, the right way, you might say, and that he's fundamentally yeah. sound, and you know he's he's got those typical um, big man attributes, and he's he's you know his his presence in the paint and his rebounding and things like that, but he's an incredible passer as well. Um, whereas I don't know Milwaukee. Giannis is Giannis, but I feel like Brad Stevens can scheme well against him and keep him out of the paint where he can't score. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, I guess. Maybe a little early to look at the seeding, but it is starting to take shape there a little bit. And, you know, we've got that tiebreaker that we secured against the, the Sixers now. So, um, yeah, it's interesting moving forward. But certainly, yeah, I, I like our chances having, of in Milwaukee. We're pretty close to having the tiebreaker against everyone. Like... If we if we um, Milwaukee, we one one tied one one right, and then I believe so yeah yep and then Toronto we're two one up that's right um yeah so we're pretty we, close to having the tiebreaker against yeah everyone else. yeah I mean we do have Milwaukee coming up shortly after the All Star break on the road which you know if you're at any point in the season you were looking for a sign from this team, right, as to are they ready? Like, have yeah, they turned the yeah. corner? A road matchup against Milwaukee, you know, in Milwaukee is, is the test, right? So yeah, I I, I'm agree. really, really looking forward to that. It's going to be really interesting. Um, we've got the All-Star weekend coming up this weekend. We're going to take a little break over the weekend as well, maybe off to the Bahamas or uh, or wherever it may be. And um, we've got... Or Rotorua. Okay. Rotorua, sure. I might pop up to the... Uh, the central coast of New South Wales, pop up to the beach while it's still warm. But we've got Jason Tatum representing Team USA in the Rising Stars Challenge, as well as the Skills Challenge. We've got Kyrie Irving in the All-Star game. Uh, All-Star weekend is pretty hit and miss, to to put it lightly. Joe, is there anything about the All-Star weekend that you're looking forward to in particular? Three-point three point competition. I've actually, I think they should make the three-point competition even bigger. It should be like a. They should get like sixty-four dudes or thirty-two dudes, and it should be like this massive knockout thing, right? Just like, like a, a knockout tournament. Yeah. Well, not like all shooting not like at once. Basketball knockout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah. Not like That'd be great. knockout. Like, um, like I just think that. Like, I think they could make it as big as you like, and it's never, it's never going to be bad. Like the three-point yeah. contest can't be bad, and the more guys you put in it, the more chance you've got of just one of them catching absolute fire. Um. Yeah, whereas the dunk contest, because it's artistry, like the three-point contest has this built-in drama to it, you know, and they're going to make some shots. There's no requirement to be awesome. Um, so, yeah, the three-point contest, I think, is going to be good. And I think they could, yeah, they could make that, they could almost make that like a whole two-hour thing, you know. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the Kyrie Irving recruitment campaign of uh, various free agents, <laughs> including one, but not limited to, one Anthony Davis. Uh, and obviously Jason Tatum in the uh, in the All Stars, uh, sorry, the Rising Stars game. Um, the All Star game, unfortunately, here in Australia and New Zealand, falls on a Monday, 
so you know we'll all be at work and then it's really the the rising the rising stars game is the cream of the crop in terms of like a, a good weekend consumable all-star experience so um that's what i'm looking forward to the most you know what i'm sad about it just hit me we've had so many like in the states you'd get there must be a lot of friday saturday games like, it's been a great season for that. It's been a great Absolutely. season for that. I guess because we're good, so they want us to play on those big TV nights. Yeah. But yeah, we've had so many weekend games, eh? You know, it's been Saturday, awesome. Sunday games. Yeah, it's been awesome. I feel like last year there were a lot of ones where it was like Friday, Monday, and they missed yes. the weekend entirely. Yeah. It sucked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully we're gifted with the same schedule um, during the playoffs, but we'll see. Mm. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Celtics Reddit Podcast. We'll be back sometime, I guess, after the All-Star break. Like I said, it's going to be a long seven days without Celtics basketball. But hey, hopefully an exciting stretch coming out of the break leading up to the playoffs. Till then, Joe. uh, Thanks, mate. It's been real. Enjoy the break. Mate, I just want to point something out. Mike Gorman says that'll just about do it. He did it tonight. I reckon you should splice that up. (laughs) Maybe that's where I got it from. Happy All-Star breaking, everyone. It just came to me after the first episode and I've been doing it ever (laughs) since. But uh, yeah, I'll take it. Credit to Mike Gorman there. All right, folks. Enjoy the break. Go Celtics. Peace. Peace.